Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming podcast. This is Take the Black, and we're here to talk about all things entertainment with a smattering of Game of Thrones. That's right, Ooh. we are shifting to other things that are going on in this world. And no, I'm not talking about Donald, P- Donald Trump's impending impeachment, although I'm sure we could talk about it all night if we wanted to. Um, snap. Snap. So... We just came off Game of Thrones' final Emmy Awards tour, and Mm -hmm. Dan, you covered it live, and so my first question is this, Um, best dressed of the night out of the cast? Ooh, uh, Nathalie Emmanuel. She had like this panel thing going on, her hair was laid for the gods, she looked really, really good. I disagree, I think Gwendolyn Christie... She did look like uh, Jesus, yes, that was pretty good too. Yes, absolutely. She was gorgeous. Bone, did you watch the Emmys? Uh, no. No, that's <laughs> it. No? Uh, I've seen pictures. I, you know, now you guys, we've talked on the show before about our our crushes on the show, and Natalie Manuel is mine. I think she is uh, the best looking cast member that's uh, a, a female. But that gold jacket that oh, Nikolai, however you say his name, is wearing was like Custer Waldo. That was a pretty, that was a pretty dope jacket. It's funny because he's a Lannister, haha. But also, like, <laughs> it looked really good. And most people who would try to wear a gold jacket would look like jackasses. And he uh, looked great eating a fudgesicle. So he's great because he, because he like never wears just like a straight suit. Like you know, it's it's easy for guys fashion at, at these events to just go like, I'm gonna wear a suit with a black tie and a black suit. Like Nick, like Costawada, like, oh no, I'm gonna come in red. I'm gonna come in gold. I'm going to count some fun colors, so I always appreciate what he brings to the mix. Definitely. You kind of you have to expect him to go, I love gold! <laughs> that would have been great. Um, you know, I did an inter- I wrote up an interview about him last week, Dan, while you were gone, and he talked about he's doing a documentary of all the fan conventions he's going to now. He's going to be doing it for like really? a year. And he went to one in Nashville, Tennessee called Bubba Fest. Where he mentioned that at Con of Thrones. Yeah, where Chuck Norris was and Dog the Bounty Hunter. And he wasn't allowed to go backstage to talk to either Chuck Norris or Dog the Bounty Hunter. They're too big. <laughs> Which, by the way, Rory's girlfriend from Gilmore Girls is the new Walker, Texas Ranger. Jared Pedalalecki. I forgot to say oh. his name. So and for. Awesome. And for those of us who aren't a Gilmore guy, guy, the guy from Supernatural, <laughs> he'll always be Rory's girlfriend. To the me. show that I never, never dies. I have to ask, Dan, did, were you a fan of the Gilmore Guys podcast with Demi? And uh, I mean, I know what it is. I never listened to a single thing of it, but um, I've heard <laughs> very good things. Yeah, I know I haven't either. And I'm, a, I'm a fan of Demi and uh, and his other podcasts like Punch Up the Jam and stuff. And it just made me laugh that you like immediately pivoted into Gilmore Girls. <laughs> instead oh, of I mean, like I lo- I'm a fan <laughs> of the only show. pop reference. I've never heard the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, I thought it was funny. Well, um. Let's get into who won, who lost, who we thought might have been snubbed from the Emmys. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. Emily Clark, Emily Clark, Emilia Clark, that in my opinion, up. was 100% snubbed. She got jobbed at the Emmys. I think that, you know, you Dan, you mentioned it um, on one of our last podcasts way back in, <laughs> in May or something. 
that um you know it's kind of a popularity contest right like if the whole body of work is what we were expecting them to vote right kind of I mean, am i paraphrasing i don't think that award shows whether it's emmys oscars nobel peace prizes perhaps those are, are legit but um Entertainment industry award shows are not and have never been about the quality of the work by itself. That like that that that's not true now. It's not true then. It, it, I, I'm not sure it's as much a popularity contest. I think it's a lot of things that don't have to do with how good you were. Part of it is how popular you are. How much are you liked? How established are you? Is it your time? Is there just buzz around your thing right now? Like, you know, like how Fleabag, which I'm sure is very good, um, beat out Veep, like the final season of Veep. Like, even uh, though that had more, um, you know, legacy and stuff going behind, but Fleabag is, like, the hot thing right now. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the hot thing right now. I, just, I mean, sure, I, I couldn't don't get to think the first episode, so... I mean, or at the, at the same token, Peter Dinklage, I mean, you know, bless him, love him, but, I mean, he's winning out of habit <laughs> by this point, <laughs> and it's fine. But I'm just saying that I, I don't think that any, and this includes this 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 most recent Emmys, no entertainment industry award show is, it's just, oh, we're objectively rewarding the best thing, the thing that definitely needs this. You know, it's, it, it's people voting. It's actors voting. Actors don't know anything. They're flippant people. They just vote for whatever. And uh, they're influenced by things other than objective quality, which is impossible anyway. So I guess my message is, like, it's, I don't think it's useful to take this stuff too seriously, <laughs> because the, the thing... You've, you've clearly never happen. heard this podcast before. Hmm? <laughs> you've clearly never listened to this podcast before. <laughs> I mean, I would have loved to see Amelia Clark want, win. I, I, I wasn't sure if she would. I, I think she had some... I thought she had a chance to win Amelia Clark. I didn't think it was a impossible... I wasn't okay, prepared. Well, check it out. She was she was uh, against Robin Wright as Claire Underwood, and that was a terrible well, final she season. Like a yeah. yeah, and then How to Get Away with Murder, Viola Davis. Uh, I I yeah. don't watch How to Get Away with Murder, so I don't really know. Um, Killing Eve's a great show. You had two up for lead actresses. Um, in fact, um, Amelia Clark on the red carpet said that she thought Sandra O oh would win, but right. um, it was Jodie Connor, Comer, I guess. And then uh, Laura Lenny was up for Ozark, and then This Is Us, Mandy Moore. Which, by the way, this is us got completely blanked from it the end. Did. Which it just goes to say that when you're an emotional terrorist like this is us, you're not going to get rewarded for it. I can't comment on any of those because I've only seen Game of Thrones and I thought it was bad, so I wouldn't have <laughs> given it an award either. Amelia Clark, though, truly was given like not. I'm just going to be nice to say not the greatest lines and script, and she was able to pull a lot out with her face. You know, flying on a dragon and all that. That obviously, you know, if you know the guys know this or not, but it was a CGI dragon. And Man, she uh, carried the season, I think. Yeah, no, she one hundred percent did, and so that's that's why I was happy to see her get nominated at least because it was it was she had a big undertaking, and this is someone too that. If you go back and listen to older shows where I've been like, "Man, Amelia Clark is a little stone. She's a little wood face sometimes." Like the way she says her, I, she was. I would have never called her the best actress in a season of Game of Thrones until this season. I and, agree with you. I yeah, and, but, you yeah. but after seeing this season, I'm like, oh, I think she actually could do this. Like, like <laughs> big time, like, like being a leading 
actor like on her own in a in a show or a movie uh-huh. that was like the first time i was like yeah i think she can actually do that because like i know i know that other girls on there other like um Cer- cersei oh my god i'm so, I'm so tired lena Heaty can carry whatever you know and, and even though she's had a really rough go of it with movies i do think that sophie turner's a uh, the are gonna be successful in Hollywood. I don't know about Maisie Williams. She might. I think she might be more of a TV person. You know, Gwendolyn Christie's a character actor for sure. She's a fashion you know? icon. Yeah, no, she's she is a queen for sure. But it's just, but Amelia Clark was always not the one that I pointed to and said that's the best actor in the show. And this season, not only was she the best actor, I agree with Dan. She carried. She drugged this season yeah, behind like her. They- put everything on her shoulders and even though you know and let's not relitigate all this at this point even though it might not have been totally successful i the the, the fact that she carried it as much as she did i was very impressed with her so i thought so i thought she had a chance and it didn't happen david you watched kelly neve do you think uh miss comer deserved the win i like her character villanelle in the show She's uh-huh. just the right amount of crazy that makes you laugh every time she's on scene. Um, but I kind of think, I mean, I guess her and Sandra Oh being leading actresses in the same category makes sense because it's built off both of them. So um, I just don't think, I don't know, man. This past season of Killing Me wasn't that great, in my opinion. Um, I, I would have definitely gone with one of the four um Game of Thrones actresses in that category, and if if it had been me, uh, you have to take out Lena Headey if you're only going off season eight. Lena Wait, Heaty, I'm sorry. Are we talking about the supporting actress category now? I'm, I'm, yeah, we're going to support. I'm sorry. That was me. We're going to supporting. I apologize. Jeez, you pivoted without I, any warning. Thank you for that. reminding me. Oh, by the way, I want to say hi to Isis. She just joined us. I'm so glad you could join us uh, there, my love. Um, we had Lena Headey against Macy Williams, against Gwendolyn Christie, and Sophie Turner. Out of those four, I believe Sophie Turner had the strongest season. In fact, this oh. might have been Sophie Turner's best season, in my opinion. Any um, any uh, argument to that? Yeah, I thought they would give it to Gwendolyn Christie or Macy Williams or anybody but Sophie Turner. Yeah, um, I agree. Wow. Yeah, but. Same. Yeah, I mean, I did expect certainly one of the Game of Thrones women to take it. I guess I, I just saw four. There are six people, and four of them are Game of Thrones actresses. They must have <laughs> something behind them. But I mean, I don't know. And uh, at the end of this category, Julia Garner won for Ozark, um, which I have not watched recently, so I'm, I'm sure she's great. Um, but yeah, that 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 was the category that actually surprised me. Yeah, like really, none. <laughs> you you had, you know, two thirds of the people were Game of Thrones actresses, and nobody won. Uh, maybe it was vote splitting. I don't know. It's nice that they got nominations. You know, uh, Christie who's never been nominated before. That's cool. I would have loved to see really any of them. I bet they would have given good um, speeches. I bet Emilia Clark would have given a good speech. Well, she so didn't have one prepared anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, no, no. She did. You you uh, <laughs> made a mistake in my article. Um, oh, did I? Oh, yeah, you, you said she didn't hear anything, but no. What she said was the question was, did you hear anything? And she said, no one's going to hear it, implying that she did prepare something. So you misinterpreted that, but I edited it and it's fine. Even on the podcast, oh. I'm getting dinged from Dan. I want you guys to understand that. 
Okay. You're even getting edited on the podcast. This is the content that I miss. Uh, no, seriously, like I, I actually agree with Dan. I thought anybody else um, could have won other than um, Sophie Turner. I was really rooting for um, Gwendolyn Christie. I mean, you know, she's my bae. She's my boo. I love her. And I just really, you know, sometimes these, these, you know, things are kind of built on not only of what you did in your acting, but it's almost kind of like, I don't know, it it kind of like the Oscars is like, oh, wow, this person has had this, this great run. And I think out of everybody, Gwendolyn Christie has had this huge rise um, that I don't think anybody really expected. And I really felt that, you know, and then not only that, but to nominate her herself, and then get the nomination. I mean, I really thought that that would would have been the the icing on the cake, if you would, um, to for her to actually win it. That this person who you know really thought enough of herself and her performance to actually nominate herself and and win it, and and the reaction that she got when everybody was standing on the on the stage as well. Uh, I really thought that was like, I mean, I was like she's going to win this. Like she's got this shit y'all. She's got this. Um, when, when we, you know, everybody else's reaction to, to her. Well, you so. bring up a good point, Isis. I think that you mentioned the Oscars. I was under the impression, or I was, maybe I was just kind of hoping that game of Thrones would have a return of the King type moment at the Emmys where they just win for everything. But then you look at the cap, you look at the different categories they were in and what they put forward like outstanding directing for a drama series, and you chose the Iron Throne, the Last of the Starks, and the Long Night. Um, what? I, mean, I, I, I think we should point out that they did win everything. I mean, they won they won ten, you know, ugly person Emmys, which are the people <laughs> who work on, you know, sound and editing and all those boring jobs we don't see. But they won ten. That's a lot of Emmys, and you know, those aren't part of the primetime show. They didn't win the the flashy Emmys, which that would have been nice. But I mean, it's kind of weird that like there's this narrative like they didn't win a lot. They won twelve fucking Emmys. They won <laughs> it's more like, than any, a lot of hardware. They won more than any show, and then they tied for with like, when their fourth outstanding drama was tied, right? For uh, the most in television with any other show. I yeah, can't I think I think something like that. Yeah. So um, I don't know. There was a lot of surprises there. In my opinion, but I mean, you can't put things like outstanding writing for a drama series and then you put the Iron Throne. Well, that was the most controversial episode or the most talked about polarizing episode the entire season. Um, And even me, a homer for Game of Thrones and Corey Thone is going to enjoy this part. I hated that episode and I think there was a lot of garbage going on in that episode. And I think that it was just unnecessary to put forth. And it makes me feel like uh, Benny Weiss. Just wanted to put it forth because that was their episode. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, I'm being pessimistic. Theorizing. Hey, listen, man. I've got my tinfoil hat over here, and I can put it on anytime I want to. But um, uh, any more thoughts on these Emmys? Bone, you've been kind of quiet. Just about Game of Thrones, or are we just in general? <laughs> well, I mean, what, did any of your shows win? Were you excited to see? No. <laughs> Well, Barry, Barry's great, and I'm glad. Love Barry. I'm, I'm glad that he won uh, Best Actor, but I truly was disappointed. Okay, look, 
Marvelous Miss Maisel might be the most overrated show on TV. Amen. Right season one was good, and and I was on board with a lot of the praise it was getting. But season two was not good, and it was absurd. It's an absurd – it turned into an, a fantasy. Remember, this is a show that is roughly based off people like Joan Rivers who were like struggling comics in New York. And I get that it's a show. So you make a rich, right, and then you don't have to worry about like – consequences to anything she can just do whatever but like that is the most consequence free show i've ever seen it's like smash brothers has more consequences <laughs> and you get like five lives like it's there's just nothing to it the scene of her in france uh you know where someone is is translating her stand-up is was maybe the most absurd thing on tv and i'm counting game of thrones in that so i i was a little surprised to see Tony Shalhoub, who I love and who probably was one of the more consistent characters in season two, win Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series over Anthony Kerrigan from Barry, who, in my opinion, had the best scenes in comedy on TV this year as uh, NoHo Hank. Uh, mm-hmm. Just just truly. He the eyebrowless Russian? Yes. <clears throat> he, so you see, he, he played a thin on Game of Thrones. Did he really? Yeah. Oh wow. He's a he uh, the, the scene where they try to assassinate Barry, and they end up, he ends up convincing Barry to train them instead of killing him. <laughs> so, and, and he pukes on the roof. Is like, oh my god, it's so scary. Like after his big. <laughs> that's just that's the best scene in the show. Uh, in, in a show that everybody agrees is great. I was just surprised that like Henry Henry Winkler won it last year and was nominated again, and Stephen Root and Anthony Kerrigan both. So three guys from Barry. All nominated for outstanding supporting actor, similar to Game of Thrones, and it goes to it really is. Tony, it goes to Tony Shalhoub, and then also like uh, I, I really I don't know Veep. I feel like was maybe a little disrespected, but it's hard to be disrespected when you've won best like lead actress in a comedy and best comedy and stuff like five times. So that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting though uh, about it being the, I mean three guys from Barry, and then you're right, four actresses from Game of Thrones, three directors from Game of Thrones, and they all. It doesn't go to, like, the stacked thing. Apparently, that's a thing that doesn't happen. Maybe it is the vote splitting. I, I want to know who's well, actually... I, so, I, I just had one that I thought I was disappointed uh, for Outstanding Television Movie. I thought it should have went to HBO for Deadwood the movie um, <laughs> instead of Bandersnatch. I'm just going to say it right now. I Maybe I'm, you know, a homer or whatever the case may be. I was not that impressed with Bandersnatch. Just no, just, it was it was that, garbage. Yeah. So for me, it was you know I would have liked to have seen Deadwood. Um, I, I think I would have liked to. Well, I, I my uh, my dinner with um, Hervé, I I didn't like. I didn't uh, care no, for it. That, so that. I would not. Yeah, I would not have put that up. But is that like a I, remake of my dinner with Andre or something? Yeah, something like that. Very similar. Um, so I saw that, and then... That's one with Peter Dinklage in it, right? Yeah. Yes. As Hervé Villages. It wasn't that great. It was not at all. (laughs) So for me, I thought that, um, that, you know, I would have rather have had Deadwood, um, win that. I just really just didn't care for it. I actually like Fleabag, so I'm good with it. That was my next question. I, I only watched one episode, I barely got to that, and I just didn't care for it. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do like uh, Waller Bridge. She played uh, the robot Leet or L33T or whatever in uh, Solo <laughs> Star Wars Story. And she was pretty fun. She was one of the bright spots. In did that. they really name a character Leet? Yes, yeah. they did. We don't have time to get into that meta I'm description. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. 
I was also I was surprised Maharshal Ali didn't win for True Detective. I thought uh, I yeah, thought he I, had it he locked. was very good. I thought he had it locked playing the same character with three decades. Uh, now that being said, I, you know Jahil Jerome when they see us was so moving mm-hmm. and incredible. So I'm not upset about it. I was just a little surprised to be honest. And it could have still went to either one of them. I would. It really okay. could have, and it's still bullshit that Stephen Dorff wasn't nominated for True Detective season three because I he agree. was yeah. incredible. Yeah incredible in that role and uh especially i mean the scene of the two of them as old guys making up on the back porch alone that's that's as good a scene as true detective has ever had anyway i'm done other than that it was it was it's a very interesting list of winners for sure don't get me right in the feels whenever he talks about bringing his dogs over his his pal's house i know i know man what a scene (laughs) you know what's crazy you know what is crazy i read just this week uh, about that, that that Dorf was not their first choice for that role. He really? wasn't really on. He wasn't even on their radar originally. Uh, the the two guys that really popped up at the top of their list were uh, both of these are interesting. Garrett Headland, who Ooh. I feel like I don't know. I just maybe know him because I watched him when he was so much younger in things like Friday Night Lights and Four Brothers. So I don't know mm-hmm. if he's old enough to pull that off. Oh, and that then, guy. And then Sturgill Simpson. As, what? Yeah, Sturgill Simpson apparently kind of wanted that role, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know I, if that had been good, but man, it had been weird. So it had been totally weird, dude. I'd have been into it. <laughs> That's uh, like if he could become our generation's Tom Waits, like super <laughs> weird and eclectic musician that does eclectic movie roles. I'd be very on board with that. Plus, shout out to the six to six to, uh, degrees of separation. There, you have Stephen Dorff and Maharshala Ali in the same show. And now Ali's going to be Blade, and Dwarf was uh, Blade's uh, nemesis in one of the movies. So there you go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I oh, forgot wow. that, too. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I will say that another show that I was really happy, um, I, I think I even at one point stood up um, when they won, was um, Outstanding Writing for, for a, a Drama Series, Succession. Uh, I yeah. am obsessed, mm-hmm. obsessed with succession and i was so happy to see them win i was i quick, mean they quick, didn't quick. win i think it was yeah favorite character from succession let me know give it to me oh god okay they're they're my favorite characters for different reasons okay? no it's not even close it's roman roy because he, mm. he's a smart ass son of a bitch and uh he's but a he's getting played let's be He's a douchebag, but he's about to get played. He is. A, let's be honest. He is about to get cl- played. Um, I really like the fact that Rome uh, that Roman's a fuck up. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, that like really speaks to me because I have also a brother who's a fuck up. So um, so I there's like some commonality there. And then um, I, Kendall, the guy who plays Kendall Roy, is absolutely incredible. He's like, one of those method actors. He is so, so freaking crazy good. Um, and then, of course, I love Shiv because if people would listen to Shiv, they wouldn't be in so much trouble that they're in. Well, she's but, getting played, too. Well, well she, yeah, I, I, I haven't watched the session, but I all these people that like besides you guys, obviously, who I respect, but all these people I respect are saying it's the best written show on TV. Uh, I saw a comic who is also a writer. Uh, Jackie Sneal, I think, is who tweeted it. It said, "It said most writers would like get rid of their pet to get to write one episode of Secession." <laughs> and, uh, so I thought it's that was pretty really funny. Good. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, it's really good. Even uh, Matthew McFadden, um, who plays Shiv's husband, boyfriend. Oh, my God, he's so good, Tom. He is so good. Yeah, he is so good because if you've ever watched anything that Matthew McFadden has done, even Pride and Prejudice, which is – that's not my favorite Pride and Prejudice, you know, movie, but uh, but he's in it and he's, you know, he's the main character. It's just so out of character of the guy that he plays. It's so, so good. I mean, if you get a chance, you need to get plugged okay. in to Succession. List. I mean, it is literally to okay. me I, one of the best shows on um, HBO. And Thanks. then the other one is and this is my guilty pleasure is the um uh the rights the righteous righteous, righteous gemstones. gemstones that'll be righteous, next year right in the mouth of the pickle in my mouth <laughs> Walton Goggins Walton Goggins he better win any award than he could possibly win for this he is just everything been listen man listen, if you ever hear anybody say I'm gonna play car pranks with you just drive the other way just drive that way and can I say speaking of because I think Goggins will win. Or be nominated next year for supporting actor, although it's in a comedy, not a drama. Dan, you said something earlier that I almost forgot about, and I wanted to circle back to it wow. real quick about Dinklage winning. You yeah. said it's just by habit at this point, so you don't think he should have won either. <laughs> uh, interesting question. I mean, I, I think it's I think he was worthy of it. Um, yeah, again, yeah, with, sure. with, with, with my whole theory about uh, you know the I Emmy, mean, it's not really rewarding exactly the objective quality. I, w- I would have given it to Custer Waldo or Alfie Allen just to mix it up. So you would have given it to a Game of Thrones person, though? Of course I would have. Okay, because I would – I'm at this point getting rather annoyed that Jonathan Banks has never won an Emmy for playing Mike Herman Trout. He's been That's nominated six, six, <laughs> six extremely, times. Extremely good. I six still would have given it to a Game of Thrones guy, yeah. And I would have done, Al- done Alfie Allen personally over – He's – I mean, Mike still could – not Mike um, – still could get an Emmy. It's possible. He's not dead. I'm better No, he's not dead. Um, anyway, well, that was it. That's let, me it. Speak to Fung, let me speak to Fung's point on that really quick. Um, I know there are. I know that Game of Thrones being an ensemble cast, it's hard to pick out the really great performances. But take yourself back to the end of season five, where Theon and uh, Sansa Dumbledore and Louise off the walls of Winterfell. Right mm-hmm. yeah. from that, from from season six on, from the opening of season six on, Alfie Allen. Turned in probably a masterclass in acting in every most, episode. He was probably the most understated actor. Yeah. A lot of his stuff was so internalized, and and in the eyes and in his like nonverbal cues and stuff. You know his his trauma and everything. Like it's he definitely was the most understated and underappreciated. Because like honestly, hundred yeah, percent. Honestly, like if you go back and like weave through the, his narrative alone, he becomes almost like a like a bellwether for like morality somewhat in the show, which is weird because in the first few seasons he is just a scumbag, and mm-hmm. and to become what he became, you know, like he even got Bran, who is a robot, to say something nice, you mm-hmm. know, like it was <laughs> there was just a lot there was a lot to him. And I, I'm glad he got nominated because he totally deserved it. Uh, but I'm not surprised he didn't win. I'm just no. if I had to pick one of the three, you know, Game of Thrones folks, if, I'd have thrown it his way. If you didn't shed a tear during that moment where Bran tells him he's home, then you have no heart. Is all I'm trying to say. You are a soulless monster. Yep, it me. 
Anyway. <laughs> All right, so um, anybody else have anything they want to mention about the Emmys? I know we've kind of talked about Game of Thrones and Emmys. Yeah. Isis, you kind of joined us a little bit late. Was there anything bot-wise uh, that you would have liked to have seen that didn't happen? Uh, any of your shows get snubbed, you felt like? No, I think it was, uh, you know, it, I think it was a really great, um, Fox did actually a really good job. I think they got a lot of shit, um, you know, during the live tweeting of, you know, they were, they, they really did take the time to say goodbye to some really well-loved shows, um, you know, and I really appreciate it. I don't know if you guys talked about that, but, you know, I love the fact that they did it for that. I did, um, they did it for another, a Fox TV show as well. Um, you know, so I, I really did appreciate that. I love the fact some of the speeches were really, really spectacular um, and that had a really great message. Miss Michelle Williams, mm-hmm. um, Jarrell Jerome, I mean, you know, had some really good messages. Uh, um, the girl from um, the, the fabulous. I can't remember her name. The 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 one that was marvelous, Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, yeah, the one that won for that. Um, so she, you know, had some really great speeches. Um, so you know, sometimes I, I, you kind of listen to those and you kind of go and say, "Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my manager. Thank you, my weightlifter. You know, whatever and stuff like that." And these were really telling, um, you know, really touching on a lot of subjects that we talk about in our day-to-day lives. So I really did appreciate that. But I will say that I was kind of happy to kind of put all of these other shows that are leaving us that do win a lot of, you know, Emmys and awards and stuff like that, that they're leaving. And now it's time to bring in these new shows that are either, you know, have already started and are up and coming and kind of already playing that game of, Hey, that person should be nominated next year for an Emmy because they're, 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 you know, incredible. Looking forward to to 2020. Just think about this. HBO is going to have euphoria in there with Zendaya. You're going to have, um, Zendaya is Michi. Zendaya. Am I right? Did she play Michi in that? Uh, what? Does nobody get that joke? Oh I do God. not. I'm sorry. I, I, Never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to the chat later. <laughs> Please do. For the, for the cool listeners out there, you know what's up. <laughs> we just had the one-year anniversary yesterday of the of Zendaya's Michi. I'm so surprised you guys didn't see that. <laughs> I did not. You call me undereducated, I guess. Um. Then you've got um, his Dark Materials coming out uh, towards the end of this year, and you've got Watchmen. And I, I want Succession. Succession. I, I wanted to segue into the new shows we're excited about watching next. But before we do that, I want to briefly talk about the new Game of Thrones prequel. And it's one that when Blood Moon first came out, you know, Smith and Bone, and of course, especially you, Isis, you all kind of groan. You're like, I don't want to talk about this because I'm not really interested in it. But the New prequel idea that is close to being made a pilot is um, the Valyrian history from the start of Aegon's conquest of Westeros up until the Dance of Dragons, I believe. Dan, am I correct? Uh, we don't know. Just it's just fire and blood. So it could fire and blood. Anything. Why would you stop at Dance of Dragons? Well, because uh, that's that's where the first book ends. There's going to be two books. So, well, yeah, 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 because there's two books, and the first one does not answer, so I think it's what you were going for, but all we know is that it's based on Targaryen history. So, I mean, that's kind of the question I have. Like, does that mean that they're going to do, like, an end, or if it gets picked up to pilot? It's not even a pilot yet. Um, would it be, like, an anthology thing where every season is, like, a new era? Like it the absolutely first would have to be. 
Well, no, no, it wouldn't. I mean, the, the other option is you just focus, you just do a whole series about the Dance of Dragons, and that's the series. And just the rest of it is like, you know, some background. Here's my, here's my opinion. You cannot do a Targaryen history without focusing heavily, at least most of the, of the first season, on Aegon the Targaryen and his sister wives. That's... Yes, you can. I just, I just, I think people would be miffed if that happened, because there's so much cool, th- there's so many cool things that happens Rare at the very beginning of um, the T- Targaryen conquest, you had the Field of Fire. Of course, and, and, and I've mentioned this before, but Balerion the Black Dread was bigger than Drogon. And then you've got, um, you know, the subjugating of the Seven Kingdoms, the Starks who had the King of the North who knelt. You've got the Iron Throne being made. Um, you've got the um, Aegon's son, uh, is it Melkor or Magor? Magor. Magor waging war against the Faith Militant back when the Faith Militant was an actual army and not a bunch of freaks running around with carved tattoos on their foreheads. This this was a very important time in the fake history of Westeros, and it would just be, to me, it would be a big whiff if you didn't cover that. I mean, that's a very important time in the fake history of Westeros for Game of Thrones, too, and they didn't cover that, and they were fine. I mean, I think for a TV show, the... I imagine you would want to have, like, a cast of characters who have a story that has a start, middle, and end. Which, in the case of Dance of Dragons, they do. <laughs> so, basically, <laughs> you're saying... Finished. Basically, you're saying all that stuff that happened before is basically Robert's Rebellion to, yeah. to Game of Thrones. I get it. I see what you're saying. Phone and, and Isis, you got real quiet over there. Uh, how you feeling about if this gets given a pilot and then ordered the series? Would you be interested in watching... A Game of Thrones prequel about the Targaryens. Thone, I'll go to you first. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, all I know is is that uh, at some point, at some point, uh, some Targaryen had a nightmare and was like, "Oh shit, my place is gonna blow up!" And so they got on a boat and went overseas, and then it did blow up like like ten years later. And so they were the last people with dragons, and they were like, what if we just like took over this shit? And they did, and then they had a bunch of babies, and all their babies were like, I want to be king. And then they all fought each other, and uh, I guess that's about it. Did I, did I cover just, it? Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah, so, so I guess what you could start with would be – and I would be because I have – I mean I know a little bit more than that, and I know that like old Valyria – I mean that's like some – that could be a really fun set. <laughs> so if I if don't think this would be in that would be involved in the show at all. This see, that was my question: was would you be starting with them like landing in Westeros and setting up shop, or would you go into why they left, or would you fast forward? I don't, I don't know. Or like no one knows. Okay, okay, well, in Fire and Blood, in in the book Fire and Blood, after Tar- Targaryens land on Dragon Mount or Dragonstone, Plymouth they don't Rock. go. Yeah, Plymouth Rock. They don't venture into Westeros, even though they have the firepower and they've got their bannermen like the Valerians, who are like the – of Driftmark, who are like the admirals of the sea on their side. And I think they had – seen it all. There's, there's a lot of things going on, but they never really go into Westeros, uh, although it's, it's said that Aegon and his sisters took flights through. That's why they were able to make that painted table, you know, the table on the show where Stannis nailed Melisandre. Yep. Yeah, that was made by Aegon, uh, commissioned by Aegon, and um, I don't know, man, there's a lot of different interesting things, but I do see the point of Dan's point. Um, the Dance of Dragons was absolutely probably the most interesting time 
of 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 the Targaryens because everybody had a fucking dragon. If you were Targaryen, and even if you were a bastard, um, you still had a dragon. And so there was like these massive wars above, you know, up in the air above these battlefields where dragons would clash, and then they would just fall to the earth and cause all kinds of massive damage. It was just all kinds of cool shit going on. So I, mean, I like think for people who, who might not know, and for Corey and Isis, the Dance of Dragons is a Targaryen civil war where you know. There's a king, and he has two people who both claim, you know, the throne after he dies, and they fight, and there's factions, and there's romance, and there's death, and there's children being lost. Very Game of Thrones, but just add like dragon, no, dragon no, 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 no. dog fights. Not children being lost. Children being decapitated and ripped limb from limb. That's what that's what happened to Targaryen babies in that time. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's a it's a juicy story. It is indeed. Um, but I just I... like the way he said juicy. Me too. Juicy. Um, okay, so I am going to tell you that I have not, uh, if, you, if you have not been following this podcast, oh I have never God. read the books. So, <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Would I watch it? Hell yeah, I'd watch it. It'd get my mandatory three episodes. If I like it, I'll continue watching it. If it's not great, then I stop watching it. So, um, it goes so it's on a, the spreadsheet. It, it, it's going to go on the spreadsheet for three views, <laughs> and then we reevaluate. We make another assessment um, whether it continues. So, yes, it would get a it, it would get a view for me. That's how many I love episodes. Your that's how many episodes Westworld season three has for me is three. And if at the end of three, yeah. if it's still stupid, I'm done. <laughs> there are there, there are only eight this year. This next one, which is I think oh, is an see? improvement. There you go. See, I'm giving them almost fifty percent of their season. <laughs> yes, I, you're absolutely I'm right. almost at the end with that show too. It's got one more chance. <laughs> I, I get well, it. See, this is my my thing is that if by episode three, now it starts to become I'm gonna hate watch it. So if you which don't grab me, you know I can I can, yeah. So I can go ahead and say okay, build up. You know, tell me what the story is going to what the show is going to be about. Episode one, episode two, you know, character development three. I'm going to give you another episode for even more character development. If by then you you ain't you ain't cutting it, then I'm done. Yeah. So three episodes mark it here now. That's all that you need to know if if a show is going to be worth watching. That's very interesting. And I think, Dan. It's scientific. We would, we would benefit That's from uh, Isa sharing her spreadsheet to the site. That would be so the amazing. The world would benefit from adopting this <laughs> system, I think. I agree 100%. So let's talk about shows that we're all kind of looking forward to this fall. I mean, today was the first day of fall, right? Or is that yesterday? I don't really know because it was 96 fucking degrees here. So um, fuck fall. Um, I will agree with you. I would agree. I'm in the same location as you, yeah. Razor. And it, it, people go, oh, yeah, happy fall, y'all. And I'm over here like, I, it is 90 degrees. I am sweating. Boob sweat. All, it is, no, this is not fall. Okay. Swear, so. swear to Christ, I took Melissa to, to get a Starbucks uh, Monday morning. And there was already Ugg boots, tucked, jeans <laughs> tucked in the Ugg boots. And I was just oh, like, so you I hate you. It's Han Solo season. Is that what? You're <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know there are a lot of good shows coming out this fall. We've got uh, most importantly, what's on HBO's radar, and what I'm more excited about is Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, 
the adaptation of Alan Moore's graphic novel, and I guess you could say uh, a sort of adaptation of Zack Snyder's movie. I'm one of the people who actually enjoyed Zack Snyder's movie. Um, I could take it or leave it, but the the graphic novel itself is amazing. So Watchmen looks badass, and of course, heading up that cast is Regina King uh, playing a masked police detective called Sister Knight, and how fucking cool is her name? Uh, Phone, you seem pretty excited about all that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I wasn't as excited about it, just in general, because they had said explicitly that they weren't going to have any any ties to the like Watchmen graphic novel, like the people that were in it, like the being a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Huge amount of bullshit, which is great. And I'll tell you that the moment that I, uh, the thing that really sold me was in the trailer where they explained that the cops are wearing masks because of a Tulsa, like like an attack on cops and a coordinated attack in their homes and stuff. Uh, a coordinated attack by mass vigilantes in Tulsa, which, you know, uh, for those of us who are enjoy history, has happened before. The Tulsa riots. Uh, the Tulsa riots, yeah. Right. So there was, which is an interesting thing to play off of for sure. And uh, Regina King is maybe, I, I'm not going to say the most underappreciated or underutilized actress working, but she's up there. And she's been in so many wonderful role wonderful roles from comedy to drama to animation that uh to action she's done it all and i'm so excited for this show after those two trailers they are so good the trailers are so good oh, and I, i'm just i'm so i was blown away by how i went from hmm. well yeah i hope it's pretty good to holy shit i can't wait for the show favorite part of that of that last trailer is uh she's talking to don johnson and he's like you know he's getting kind of frustrated and he's like so what are you going to tell me? And she just puts her feet on this desk and says, I got a guy in my trunk. Come on, man. That is a great line. And then, uh, I mean, Gene Smart is going yeah, to play, Smart. An, yeah, she she's gonna play an older Silk Spectre. That's what's so amazing. You got Silk Spectre in there. You've got Ozymandias, which is Adrian Veidt. And, and I'm going ahead and go ahead and call my shot right now. I think Don Johnson plays uh, Night Owl. An older night owl. That's just my thought. Because he's in the tra- man, really okay. Yeah, because okay. in one of the, in one of the trailers, he's actually flying the the owl ship, Archie. He's flying it, mm-hmm. and he like lights up a helicopter or something. Then I think he crash lands. But uh, yeah, man. I'm I mean, really also just just putting it out there too. I'm very excited to have a show set in the United States. It isn't set in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. <laughs> like how many? You know, it's she- echoing what Damon Lindelof said. Yeah, that's terrifying because he's the one thing that gives me pause. But there's, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm I'm so excited that it takes place in Tulsa. What a great, what a great idea! Like, hey, what if we? I mean, I'm surprised that they said in Chicago it would be called like Chicago Watchmen, and it would air after <laughs> Chicago Fire and just before Chicago PD, and the next night you could watch Chicago, you know, CSI. Like, what the hell? I don't know why that city all of a sudden. Gets twenty shows, but meanwhile, Little Rock ain't got shit. But no, I'm I'm excited God for goddamn thing. But I agree that that there's a lot of good signs. The trailers are very good. I liked the humor mixed in with like the kind of you know comic book seriousness. Okay, I do. I am a little worried based on what I've heard Lindelof say because I'm reading these interviews and stuff. I, I agree that it looks interesting. I love that it's in Tulsa. Love King. I do agree that like more shows like not on the coast and everything. 
Um, based on what Lindelof has said in interviews, I'm a little afraid this show might crawl up its own ass and die. Hang on. Uh, Are you telling me <laughs> the guy that wrote Lost, The Leftovers, <laughs> and Tomorrowland <laughs> might crawl up his own ass? I'm I forgot he did Tomorrowland. I am. He, hold, oh, on, hold on. Hold on. I am clutching my pearls right now. I am just telling you right now. <laughs> the pearls are clutched because oh, I would never imagine that. Oh, Hang my on. God. Hang on. He also, he also wrote prometheus are you telling me the guy that wrote prometheus <laughs> could fuck something up <laughs> and now he's doing an incredibly high concept thing weighing in on things like police violence and the nature of anonymity in the modern age and robert redford is president and uh just for the past 28 uh, for the past years. 20 years and just the way he t- and like gun violence and liberal overreach and i i, I just just based on what I've read about him in interviews, just what I've what I've what I've read him say about this, it sounds like he could be um, like jacking off onto an art piece really furiously, and this <laughs> might be a disaster. Well, I will tell you this: um, but James, the trailers but, do look really good. Like there really, are good, really good signs, but and I'm Dan, also a little worried this might be a little too high concept for its own good. And Dan's kind of echoing that article that he wrote that he did with Entertainment Weekly. And Lindelof specifically said he's going to be touching on race relations, reparations made by the government, um, and then, uh, of course, police brutality. Police on the show won't be carrying guns unless they're specially checked out and loaded by a certain supervisor. And then you've got um, the terrorist organization wearing the Rorschach mask. They're called the 7th Calvary. Um, You've got... Dr. Manhattan is basically – I don't know how much of a show he's going to be on, but you've seen the trailer where he's on Mars as um, Life on Mars plays, apropos. I'm sorry. Um, I, just, I just found out that he actually wrote for Nash Bridges too, and that just <laughs> – that really cracks me up. Somewhere. That really cracks Don me Johnson. up. Now, I will say, and I know, I know I'm talking too much about this, but the, I'm, I'm also intrigued in the show. See, Dan, I everything you said is a valid point, and I, I'm – intrigued by the idea that okay so what about the people that like this is just me being whatever the people that watched or or read watchmen and were like you know who really had their shit figured out rorschach you know those assholes (laughs) the same ones who are going to go watch joker and walk away with the entirely wrong interpretation they're going to those people that looked at rorschach and took away nothing but positives look like they're going to be like a, a driving point in the show well, hold on, with those hold on. people you're talking about, David. And I think I'm just curious if the fallout of turning, cause you know, they, in the, even in the comic book and, and especially in the movie, they talk about like the mythology around those superheroes and stuff. And then like, I I'm curious to see what the fallout of that will be post like Rorschach's journal. Oh yeah, the, I definitely am too. Like the the show doesn't lack for good ideas or like things to explore. Um, I just worry that Lindelof might be one of those people who takes the wrong message. From, <laughs> Did, didn't Lindelof you know, also do uh, and then like, glorifies it, makes it just stupid and dumb. But again, like th- this is definitely it's rich ground. Absolutely, it's worth checking out for sure. I just hope it doesn't get carried away with itself. Yeah, well, it looks absolutely amazing. Um. That comes on when October twentieth, Dan. I can't remember exactly. October something, yeah. October, yeah. And then, and then, to me, one of the most 
uh, anticipated shows that I've been more excited about in a long time is his Dark Materials, um, which it looks like from everything I've read and the trailers for that show, they're actually going to do Philip Pullman's novels justice and not give it a shitty movie. Um, Dan, you are going to be covering it for Wick, correct? And I know I, that I you, am cover it you've got Wick. you've got thoughts about Lyra and uh, Pan. You got all kinds of thoughts. I, sure, I, I, I've I've read the books. I liked them a lot. Um, you know, if if if, if we're going to stick to like you know kind of fantasy sci-fi genre shows, I think it's a great book series that is unique in that it has all like the hallmarks of an invented world and um, a very kind of very imaginative story that's you know has impossible happenings, talking bears. Uh, talking, talking armored bears. Talking armored fighting bears. Uh, hang on. Miranda. I saw the country bear jamboree. Bears can not only talk, they can play <laughs> instruments. Yes. I don't know if they will say in this play. Maybe they will. Um, you know, familiar. Uh, it, uh, it, 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 again, it, it's a very rich series. It has a lot of, like, meaty material to get to. And I'm more excited about this because it's like – because the book series is done. Like, as long, it's, if, if they just take the books and do them justice – they're they're kind of golden, whereas Watchmen makes me nervous because like okay, so this could be a creative gold mine if Damon Lindelof doesn't get carried away with himself, which is very possible. I think. Which is which he probably already has. We just don't know it yet. So I'm so uh, yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to his, his materials quite a bit. Isis, um, do you know about his dark materials? Yes, I am aware of dark materials just because of my love for Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh yeah, here we go. In it, and I love him so much, and so I will be watching it because it's going to be odd to see him play a role that was played by Sam Shepard in the movie. It's it's kind of a um, jarring difference, but I like Lin Manuel Manuel Miranda, and I think it'll be great. Uh, And his little rabbit Hester, Hester's a sassy mouth rabbit, and I can't wait to see what she says on the show. But, yeah, um, I think it, I think it is actually really something up his wheelhouse. I, you know, it really is. I mean, you know, he did um, um, what was that movie uh, with Mary Poppins? Shit, sorry, I've had. Fine. Yeah. Um. So he did Mary Poppins. So I, I think he, I, I think he will do very, very well. I'm really interested in all the actors that are in it. Um, I, I believe there were the the main actress from The Affair. Um, she's going to be in it mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so I'm, yes, so, and she's so good. I'm really, she was really, really good. I, I mean, and and I just I have a lot of respect for her too. The way that whole thing went down on the on the TV show Affair. So I'm really interested to see where that goes. That's that's really a great. I think it's going to be a really good good episode or excuse me a, a series um and then there's another one that i'm kind of interested in it's um it's called black monday and that is going to be, i think it's going to be on showtime um but it's got is that don, don Cheadle? yes yes Cheadle, regina hall and andrew rannells who who i absolutely you know adore and it's taking place in the 1980s 19 19- late 1980s, um, sure. which is well, definitely in my wheelhouse because I'm a woman <laughs> of a certain age. And uh, <laughs> I remember it very well. And uh, so I'm really excited about seeing that, too. And I, Don Cheadle can do no wrong for me. I, I love him. I so. agree. 
Yeah. So seeing Regina Hall in two different shows is really going to be, you know, exciting as well. Well, you know, um, just to circle back to his dark materials really quick, Daphne King plays Lyra, and Daphne King is uh, the girl who played, uh, I guess, X-23 in Logan. So that's pretty cool. And, of course, you got James McAvoy, Professor X himself, playing uh, Lord Asriel. And the cast for this show is stacked, and it looks like it's going to cover – And like they said in one of their interviews that the show just takes place over – pretty much all over the place. They're not staying in one place too long, so you're going to meet a lot of different people, a lot of, a lot of interesting things happening. And, and for those of you out there who aren't familiar with his Dark Materials, um, it's an alternate-type world to ours. Uh, people's souls manifest outside their bodies and take on uh, the form of an animal. That's animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really cool, and they all talk, and they all have fun. But then there's this nefarious <laughs> organization who is trying to uh, harvest this mysterious dust, and it's connected to uh, the kidnapping of children. So it gets pretty fucking dark really quick, but it's going to be a good show. And, and, and Dan, this segues me. And at the end of the series, I... Pretty sure they kill God, although I kind of forget. I think what. It's yeah, I it, remember. But. I remember my parents' church banning that book because I think they killed God. And I can't remember. <laughs> that. Just like Tennessee's banning, banning Harry Potter. So there you well, go. Well, like I said, I'm really excited, especially when I see stuff like this that's sci-fi, um, and you do have a diverse, you know, group of characters in there. Um, I, you know, I think that you know, Hispanics are kind of overlooked as far as casting in a lot of these kind of series um, where it touches on a lot of sci-fi where you need to be maybe stretch your imagination a little bit. And it's not because we don't want to be in those shows. We just don't get cast. Um, And I'm that's why I'm really excited about Lin-Manuel being in the TV show um, that maybe it can be like, okay, well, guess what? You know, Latinos can be and inhabit these these universes. Well, that so. also makes uh, that makes Cassian Andor's uh, live action Star Wars show that more important because you know Diego Luna will head up that show uh, on Disney Plus. Oh, absolutely. Plus. Okay, so the only about reason, that, man. yeah, so the only reason why I bought Disney Plus because I did get it, of course. Um, Same thing. Yeah, so got it, and um, I got it because because <laughs> sorry about that, my my speaker just went out. Um, was because of the Mal um, Maladorian. That that's what I want to watch. The Mandalorian. I wanna, yeah, I want to watch yeah. that. That's what I want to watch. I want to see Pedro my, Pascal. My my yes, in a helmet. My, uh, in a helmet, and <laughs> I want him to be safe. And, um, and so, <laughs> so I bought it because of that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. And that's the excuse that I gave my husband when he saw the, the receipt <laughs> on, on the bill was like, oh my God, what did you buy from Disney? And, um, and it was, yeah, well, I bought, I got it in early. So I got the three years for, yes, yeah, so, even better, even more so, affordable. Be able yeah. To. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a deal. We, I couldn't pass it up. So anyway, so I, anytime where I can go ahead and support, you know, Hispanics, Latinos doing these amazing things, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, so I'm really excited. I, I'm definitely going to give, um, you know, th- these shows a definite watch. Hey, uh, Phone, you're Phone, you're a big Star Wars nerd, nerd like me. Uh, I, I've heard you talk about some things about being excited about 
uh, The Force Awakens and, and The Last Jedi. Are you excited for The Mandalorian, the very first live-action Star Wars series? Like, have you seen the trailer, and have you seen how badass it looks? It looks great. Then they were like, oh, but it's PG-13. And I was like, oh, okay, fuck off. Like, why? Bother? I don't like every Star Wars, and it's on Disney. No, 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 no. I'm done with that. I'm done with that excuse. I'm done with the... Oh, it's Disney. I don't care. Disney Disney can get dark. I'm tired of them pretending like they can't. Disney Plus is going to have a million bajillion things for kids and families. It's like if you really, really want to get people who onto your platform, you're going to have to have adult content. I'm not talking about titties, but I am talking about <laughs> you need I – mean, and I grant it. PG-13 can still be fairly adult. I mean, fine, in-game, crushed, all that. But still, I was super excited until they were like, well, it's not going to have that much, like, violent violence. It's like, he's a bounty hunter. What? Why else would I watch this show? It, but, it opens I mean, up with, like, stormtrooper heads on pikes. Yeah, I was going to say, it was in the first image from the trailer, like, Yeah, storm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, the, that's what the Ewoks did. I don't. I saw that in 1970 <laughs> or 1980. Like, <laughs> I, Ewoks eat stormtroopers it's fine it's cool it's totally normal but i just and then I they use, they use like, their skulls to play instruments which is <laughs> weird because i don't know how you calibrate a skull but we uh <laughs> yub nub knows no logic but no i i'm still i'm still i'm still excited it's just i was a little bummed about that but it's got warner herzog in it so i'm gonna fucking watch it so, oh there you go yeah. <laughs> i bet that netflix and amazon and all this book are really a- uh, happy that Disney is choosing to keep Disney Plus PG-13. Because I didn't realize they were going to do that until I heard that. Like I thought like they would allow, you know, they'd have shows for kids and then shows for older folk. But no, it's like it's all PG-13 or under. So Netflix and Amazon must be like, oh, thank God, we can still have, you know. They're, they're happy five. about that, but they are not, I guarantee you Netflix is shit in your pants because of how oh. cheap Disney Plus is. Netflix, Netflix yeah. has to be worried more than Amazon because Netflix really right now has a few things in the pipeline. The Witcher is supposed to come out sometime this year, obviously, and that's going to be something that's highly anticipated. I'll watch it. I'm excited you about it. You got the Stranger Things. They... The Stranger Things, that Umbrella Academy 2. But, 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 Amazon's swinging for the fences. It already had Carnival Row, which is really good. Then, yeah, then you've got, had The Boys, which was super fucking good. And then you've got Lord of the Rings coming up and Will of Time. I don't think Netflix has a, a snowball's chance in hell to keep up with Amazon. Once oh, that you know what, though? I am genuinely excited about the Sandman show on Netflix. I love Sandman. I love that Neil Gaiman uh, graphic novel, whatever you want to call it. And it's supposed um, to be faithful I, I to the comics. No clue how they're going to pull it off because those comics are like, y- y- you know, like you hear about like this is unfilmable. Like watching yeah. unfilmable, yeah. Fire is unfilmable. That ha- those have nothing on Sandman. It's so visually out there, and like you know, the, the narrative is it doesn't go in a straight line at all. It zigzags and goes back. Blah 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 blah. No clue how to do it, but it's a great, great property. And if they do it right. I'll be extremely impressed. But it's also so weird. I don't know if it can like really catch on in a giant uh, super hit kind of way. But I love that they're having it. And Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, dear God. Okay, so, you know, I think that Disney eventually will crack the code on how to introduce these R-rated movies. Because, I mean, it does have a, a 
pretty good, con- you know, a uh, collection when they were, you know, Dimensions, Films, Merrimax, Touchstone, Pictures, and stuff like that. So they got like Pulp Fiction, Kill right. Bill, Transbody, um, Dust Till Dawn, a favorite of mine. Um, you know, Sin City. You know, all of these different um, movies that they could put on there. I think they're just going to go ahead and get the mom and dads in there first and then go ahead and say, hey, if you want to go ahead and subscribe to this adult R-rated expanded, or you just know. Or drop some parental controls on this bitch. Well, I mean, I, th- I think they will do something <laughs> eventually. No, think- you... You make God, Disney, sorry. you make Disney X, and it's an extra five dollars a month. <laughs> listen, man, listen, or man. You know, if you know, if they, they just make put Disney... all the good stuff on Hulu, which I think is what they're going to do now. <laughs> I've heard that. You know what? If if they made a Disney X, um, and if any of these kids growing up today like was like I wasn't a kid, I'd be standing in front of the TV trying to watch between the squiggly lines. So I'm just saying. Yeah, we all did that. Come on, man. <laughs> but uh. I need an even Stevens re like they're already doing Lizzie McGuire, so I need an even Stevens like <laughs> oh like continuation where like the you know the sister and Shia LaBeouf I forget Car- Carly uh, not Carly Jepsen Christy Carlson Romano and Shia LaBeouf come back and they're like in the midst of like a midlife crisis kind of thing I need oh that. yeah he's he's spiraling because he's taking meth he's shooting up between his toes <laughs> I got it all. and that's, and that's it just all Shia LaBeouf I'm talking that's about Shia. his character yeah yeah he's ripping his own teeth off with pliers so, um you know what could do uh, this like. Disney is making a Ghost Rider show for Hulu. I'm sure that'll be very mature. Well, I will tell you and, this. Uh, it, already ha- it already happened once on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They had Ghost Rider on there. And it was Robbie Reyes. Uh, the Robbie Re- Reyes. Good. Yeah, he was good. It was actually a pretty good season. And if they do Robbie Reyes, that would be cool. If they do the guy on the bike, I'm not really sure. But whatever. They already have the Runaways on Hulu, which is pretty decent show. I, I-, I enjoy it. Um, and I, and if they're going to do things like that, since Disney acquired Fox, why not go ahead and put the best X-Men adjacent show on television on the Hulu? And that's the gifted. So, um, there are a lot of yeah. good, a lot of Legion. Legion. Oh, Legion. so fucking weird. Legion. Like, I, I could have it or leave it. I don't know, man. It's so weird. God damn it. I, it is, it is episode to episode, dude. Like, like there would be like one episode. I'm like, oh, this episode fucking slaps. And yeah, then I'll go to the next episode. I'm like, oh, I'll watch one episode where he's using his powers. And then the next episode, they're walking on the ceiling and taking naps. And I'm like, what the fuck? But uh, I know it's episode to episode, dude. I'm telling you. So I will say this, and this is not a new show. It's new to me. And I am absolutely very passionate about it. It's um and I just got Hulu recently because there was a deal for like it was like two dollars a month for like six months. So of course I was like, Yeah, I'll get Hulu um for a little while. And um and it's called um oh my gosh, I can't believe Letter Kenny. And it's like in season oh, six. God oh it. my god. I love me some Letter Kenny. I'm just saying it right now. I love it. <laughs> it's not for everybody. You're you're but fucking Templi, pal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ten ply. That's right, pitter patter. Let's get at her. Come on, Letter Kenny. That's a show I can do one episode every two or three days, <laughs> and it's really? funny. It's funny, but I can't do I can't do more than two episodes in a night for sure. Like it's just too much. It's yeah, too much. It's there, not, it's, it's, 
it's too much for it, it's too like too much in 30 minutes because like it's literally 30 minutes long okay so, so then, we we're getting close to um being running out of time here but i do want to mention one thing I'm sorry Wait a to minute. You guys How are this. we running out of time? We dictate time. You join late. Time, is, time, is, a con- time yeah. is a construct. It's a construct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a circle. God damn it. Um, <laughs> I'm just messing with you guys. No, but uh, Dan, this is something Dan and I have talked about before. Um, all of these streaming services, something's got to break, right? So let me just list off the ones that I know off the top of my head, and I'm sure I'll miss like 10 or 12. You've got Disney+. Plus. Netflix, Amazon Prime, you've got um, Peacock. Apple, the Peacock, you've got Apple TV Plus. Plus. Yeah. yeah, so like there's all these, like what else? Okay, so you've got HBO Max, Max. which is really fucking stupid because you've already got uh, the, the Max whatever channel. And then, and you're, and what are you going to do with now and go? Are you, you going to combine them two? And then what is, you know, are you going to keep Hulu going at the same time? And then you've got that really, really weird niche streaming service. Is it Keebly that's going to have every show have 10 minute episodes in and Sophie Turner just landed the lead role in one of those shows. And so she's going to be on the screen for 10 minutes at a time. She'll be on your phone for 10 minutes at a time. Yeah. And and you only watch it on your phone, which is really fucking weird. So don't forget CBS All Access. Okay, well I watch. uh, Yeah, give me Star Trek uh, Discovery. All the Uh, Sony Sony Crackle. Yeah, I see. Also, um, what's that horror one? Like a chiller or something? Yeah, chiller or something like that. I know what you're talking about. I mean, the thing is, we've already seen a streaming service. (laughs) We've already seen a streaming service that was created for a niche market like grow and then die and CISO. And CISO had a lot of really great writers and comics on it, but I mean there's just there's only so much people can do and I just I don't know we're gonna hit or we probably have already hit a breaking point in the number of streaming services. So Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you because as a person who has, you know, and again it's it's only going to be temporarily, but I, I have Netflix, I have Amazon Prime, you know, I have now, uh, you know, this the, the uh, Disney one. I have, um, you know, the other fucking what is the other one? Hulu. We yeah, Hulu. I, <laughs> I just recently got it. Anyway, so I I'm like maxed out. Like my husband's like, really? Do you really watch that much TV? And and I have cable. That gives me HBO. <laughs> I don't even watch cable anymore. Yeah. yeah, like I'm almost like I don't even watch cable anymore because I have all these streaming services and everything. Right. But it gets to the point where you're like, okay, when is when? You know, what are, are you really getting the money out of where, you know, you may be like, oh, well, it's only $3 a month or $7, $8 a month. You know, are you really getting the money out of it? Um, I don't know. I think that if you definitely go niche, is you're you're definitely going to get yourself strangled. Well, Dan, uh, Dan, how much money are they spending on each episode of Jason Momoa's uh, show on on uh, Apple, Apple, TV? Apple TV? Apple TV Plus, um, a lot of millions <laughs> of dollars. It's like fifteen million dollars, right? Like, an an episode? Yeah. Yes. What? It's an. Epic. They're paying it's, him it's, that it's, much it's money. A, it's a blind. Oh, I'm not sure where the money's going, but it, they're. It's a blind post-apocalyptic Jason Momoa is blind epic. Jason Momoa's remade Book of Eli with Jason Momoa. (laughs) Okay, well, Jason Momoa plays Khal Drago 
in the future in this show. But he's blind. And, but he's blind. His kids the, aren't blind. Is he, yeah, yeah he, he has the first pair of kids born with sight in the past. Because, like, apparently the Earth is, like, thousands and thousands and thousands of years in the future. I guess mankind tried to nuke each other, and for that, they were all struck blind. And now um, these are the first two children to ever born with sight. Yes, it is hilarious. <laughs> right? It sounds and, pretty great. Get ready. I'm not done yet. Jason Momoa plays a guy named Baba Vass. <laughs> Baba Voss. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. I'm. I'm gonna. This is gonna be a hard pass. No, hold on. Uh, I'm, yeah, the trailer, Apple the TV is the cool. one that like I. I it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like their lineup is quite at the level of some of the other. No, ones. no. They hire, they hire low vision actors and blind actors to actually take part in the battle scenes. They learned how to echolocate. They learned how to fight with blindfolds on. Like they did this whole big thing so that it would seem authentic. And Momoa, Mister Excited said that this was the greatest thing he's ever done. And that included Game of Thrones and Aquaman. So I'm just I'm just gonna put that out there. Yeah. Well, well what about Baywatch? Like, I mean did they ask him about Baywatch. <laughs> I'm sure they did. That's his most important role. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the, the, for that one, it's like you see Amazon doing like a Lord of the Rings with a time show, like, okay, those have built in audiences. You see Netflix doing The Witcher, like, okay, I can see that. You see HBO doing more Game of Thrones stuff. I just the cojones to throw that kind of money after the blind post-apocalyptic warrior uh, show, it, it, it takes some doing. So, yeah, that's just, I, I admire their brain. I have too many questions. How do they build the bridge across the, the gully? The, the You know, like, how? there's so many questions that need to be answered in that show, and I'm sure it'll... It'll come off silly. We also have uh, that one with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell in the show. morning show. Which looks yeah. really good. I mean, if it's half as good as, like, um, uh, what's his name's Newsroom that was on HBO, then it might be pretty decent to watch. Oh, the Newsroom. Thanks. Uh, I don't um, think that was – I don't think it's going to be that good and that deep. I'm really serious. Back when I, everybody still liked Olivia Moon. Moon? Mun. Mun. Olivia her name Mun. Is. Yeah, Olivia Munn. Munn. People, people no, don't like Olivia him. Munn anymore? Uh, there's a bunch of shit about her being a difficult actress and blah, 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 oh. blah. And they got um, an M. Night Shyamalan series coming about a, a spooky <laughs> baby. Spoopy. Oh, starring uh, Rupert Grint from Harry Potter. Oh, wow. Oh, well, hey, baby. fun fact, Rupert Grint and Ron Perlman are in shows on Crackle. So, <laughs> crackle still. Yeah, yeah. Ron Perl- that was at a startup. Startup, do, right? Do you want to know why? No, actually, Rupert Grint's in the Snatch show. They took the yeah. movie Snatch and made a show. Yeah, but Perlman was on Startup. Yeah, but Perlman was on Startup. I only know this because <laughs> my work has blocked all streaming channels, and they also forgot Crackle existed. So. <laughs> 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 that's that amazing awesome. that's so, yeah, I, I, they just keep uploading episodes of community and I'll keep watching them so <laughs> okay so listen guys we, we, um, go ahead I just go ahead no I was just gonna say uh, the another big name star that's gonna be doing a mini series is on Apple plus uh, not that I'm gonna watch it because I don't have Apple plus and I don't plan to get it is um is Chris Evans uh defending Jacob or something like that um they have it's Michelle Dougherty from um from the BBC TV show um and movie that just came out I Titanic no no it's just, <laughs> no, yeah, it was it was a TV show and it, and it did a movie um, Downton Abbey 
Yes, Downton Abbey. Michelle Dougherty. She's going to oh, be in it. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So her, um, Pablo Schriever or something like that. And he was the one that was in Orange is the New Black. And I think he was like yeah. some. Yeah. And He's also um, Master Jerry Chief Jones. in the new yeah. Halo series. And Mad Sweeney on American Gods. Oh, what? Yeah. So. There's, there's, a, they're trying. I mean, they're pulling some big names because the morning show, yeah. you know, Chris Evans, you know, they, they got the, the other guy. I, I mean, they're, they're trying. I just don't well, think that they have, um, they have the, they're pulling in good stuff. I just, don't I think it's just that it's Tim just Apple not, doesn't want to fail. Tim Apple doesn't want to fail. All right, I'll leave that joke right there for you to pick up. Um, Thank you very much. So we've talked a lot about um, the Emmys, uh, the prequel uh, shows we're most looking forward to, and streaming services tonight. I hope you've enjoyed our eclectic podcast. We're going to start trying to pick it up every other week again. I know you guys missed us. We've been getting a lot of your uh, messages on Twitter. So um, if there's a show that you specifically want us to talk about, we can't promise that we'll watch um, the Chicago Fire or Days of Our Lives, but we will – Talk about other things like um, the Chicken Coalition. That's a great show, and if you haven't checked yeah. it out, go to Twitter and look it up. That but, uh, is freaking amazing. I cry, I cry laughed. That's how hilarious it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I sat there and watched my husband. I said, "Honey, you have to watch this." Bring me and- the puppy. <laughs> Buddy, when the fucking church's chicken started smoking a Newport, I had to put my phone down. I was yes. laughing so hard. What? I- <laughs> what rest? What what restaurant? The obscure restaurant from North Carolina had the biscuit. Bojangles. Oh my fucking god! That and was also Bojangles, thing. very solid chicken. Did not know it. Never heard of it, but it was hilarious. Um. All right. Yeah. So, it was. It that was really good. I you you need to link it in the article for this because uh people need to see that. People need to know. People yeah. Need people to know. need to know. People need to know. Well, Isis, anyway. I'm glad you you could uh, join us tonight. We've missed your sultry voice. Um, so for myself, for Corey Thelen, and for Dan Selke, uh, we'll be back in not next week, but the week after next, and we'll have some more hot takes and uh, delicious chicken things to talk about. This has been Take the Black, and I'm not going to say who are my goals, because we're not watching Game of Thrones anymore. Bye! <laughs> Bye! <laughs>